On this cold, chilly night here in Ottawa, an electrifying night of sense podcasting will commence. Welcome to this edition of the Third Live Plug. I am your host, Tim Gibson, along with my co-host, Tim, the King Jensi. Tim, we got a hot, sold-out crowd here tonight at the Canadian Tire Centre. 18,652 on their feet for the long-awaited rematch between Austin Matthews and Brady DeChuck. Right you are, Taylor. This crowd is red hot, ready for 10 anticipated main event. Whether it's blue or red, you can't ignore the tension. Last time these two got together, it was back and forth with Team Austin. 316 came out with the win. It was truly the main event that lived up to all the hype. Hopefully this crowd tonight will get that same experience. Now let's send it over to me and Jane, who's standing by with Brady the Chuck for an exclusive interview. Yeah, so I guess we could probably kill the music right there. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to this ruthless sensgression edition of the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? Honestly, pretty damn good. We've got some great games to talk about this week. Lovely weather out here in Calgary. And... An hour coming out of your speakers. For sure. For sure, man. Now, not everything has been great this past week. And I actually want to start off this episode on a bit of a somber note. I want to give a shout out to former podcast host and former guest, Joseph St. Amore, because it was revealed on Twitter this past week that his cousin, unfortunately, was killed in a motorcycle accident in Edmonton. Yeah, that's shitty, yeah. Thoughts and prayers going out to the family. For sure, for sure. And I know that I talked to him. I sent my condolences to him. Apparently, he was the only family he he has out here from Ottawa. So, uh, I mean, I can't even imagine, right? Like, he moves to Edmonton from Ottawa. He, he was the only family he had out here, and now he's gone. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. So, Joseph, from Tim and myself... First of all, condolences on your loss, and may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, now that we've got that out of the way, let's get right into the opening. This is Season 2, Episode 23, in chronological order. Episode 51, the Derek Smith episode. So, Tim, do you have any memories of Derek Smith? A bit. I do remember back in, like, 07, 08, 09, he would be kind of called up for games in it. He'd play well enough in defensive capacity. And I'm actually... No, I'm screwing him up with Derek Brandt. Sorry. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that the career went somewhere. For sure. Now, for this edition, I decided I'm gonna, I would look up some facts on Derek Smith. So, Derek Smith, he was signed by as a free agent by the Senators in 2007 after three seasons with the Lake Superior State University. He made his debut on February 13th, 2010 versus the Detroit Red Wings in a 4-1 loss. He only played 11 games for the Ottawa Senators, recording one assist. Mm-hmm. But then he went on to play a few more seasons with Calgary before going off to the Swiss, the AHL, and finally retiring in the K. So I guess he had a pretty cool career. Yeah, it was all right. So let's talk about next week's poll. Next week is Season 2, Episode 24, Chronological Order, Episode 52. Now we've got two players on the board for the poll, and that is David Van Drunen and Chris Bela. And yes, 
they did exist. Hello? Are you coming in? My phone just went off. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I was wondering what the hell was going on there. I was like, okay, Tim's not responding to me. Something's not right here. Yeah, I guess that's why I get for calling off my phone. Yeah. It's a number I don't too, so couldn't have been important. Nah, probably not. So, Tim, let's recap our week because, as you said right off the top, it's been, I wouldn't say unseasonably warm in Calgary, would you? No. Been above zero every day of the weekend. It was 10 degrees today, so I'm pretty happy. Nice. Yeah, it was funny, like, because I went up to Nanaimo this morning to play hockey, and it was sunny all the way there. It was actually really warm, probably 12, 13 degrees. And on the way back, it was probably, give or take, almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I had both my sunroof and my window rolled down. Yeah, and uh, the boat river is starting to melt here too, so I hope I'm not counting my chicks before they're hatched, but looks like springs are coming. Yeah, you don't want to be like Dan O'Toole, who on the Jan Dad podcast said in January, well, I guess winter's over, and next thing you know, Toronto got hit hard with snow. Oh, that was brutal, too. Holy shit. It has been brutal, man. It, it has been. Yeah, so I'm happily done with winter. Oh, yeah, winter. You know what? I'm cool with winter for, like, the first week or so, as long as it doesn't snow. I, I cannot stand the snow, because I live out here, right? I'm so used to it raining all winter. And I'll take the rain over the snow. No problem. I can drive in that. Yeah. But... Nuts to the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for myself, it was, I wouldn't say a very eventful week. We're in spring break now, so obviously the kids are back home. We had a couple of days where we had to do some deep cleaning, and then we had to do our first aid course, not first aid food safe. And then we did Night of the Stars, which is a function for a lot of the banks around here on the island. And it's actually funny, when I got my hair cut the other day, and the lady who was cutting my hair, I was telling her about this event, and she goes, really? And I was like, you know, because I saw a lady coming out of the bank here on the corner with this crazy outfit, and my first reaction was, what the hell is going on? This is not Halloween. Is the bank now hiring crazy people? Fair enough, man. So let's talk about last week's episode, because eh, it was okay. I mean, it, it was what it was. I, I think for myself, I think because the interview that we did previous to it I think took a lot of energy out of me to do and I wasn't 100% into the episode for almost two and a half straight hours dude that's a lot I know it was almost like I was dry heaving by the end I was like holy fuck what do we talk about now well I'm glad that the main episode like uh the interview we went went really well though I was really happy with that Mm-hmm. Let's actually talk about that interview because this is that was probably the biggest interview we got to do. We had the chance to talk to Ottawa Senators DJ Alex Marchand. Well, it's just kind of cool that we got to talk with people on the inside, you know? For sure, for sure. And, you know, it was a really good interview. And I think for me, I look back, I, I am very happy how the interview turned out. But I think in the back of my head, I was going to be like, okay... Don't go off the rails. Don't go off the rails because, break a little kayfabe here, there were questions we were not allowed to bring up. Which is understandable, right? Because given what was going on off the ice, 
you know, you don't want, you know, one of your employees talking shit about you, right? Well, I mean, even more basic than that, if the organization is granting you an interview, there's going to be strings attached. Mm-hmm. That's just the name game, and I'm pretty sure every org does this. So regardless of whether there was stuff going on behind the scenes or not, and or even the season that the senators have been having, we would have been beholden to that anyway, right? Absolutely. I guess we Absolutely. Might not noticed it as much is the thing. True, and I mean, and obviously we don't want to burn any bridges, so we were like, okay, you know, that's perfectly fine. We were okay with not bringing up what we weren't allowed to ask and what not allowed to talk about, so it was fine. And well, I, we had- I just want to give everybody a little heads up: nothing's official. We may or may not be working on a really big interview coming up. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, but that's but, all I am going to say about that, Tim. Oh, you tease. But one thing is, it's just, honestly, I really enjoyed that, the interview we did with Alex. It's interesting just seeing, like, how, kind of how he got in the game and then uh, just what goes through how he builds sets. I thought that was really cool. Oh, for sure. And I know that because I was always big into music, so I kind of had an, an idea of what I wanted to talk to him about musically, and I wanted to know... Because I'm sure that there were things that go into coming up with a set, and it really was great that he gave us that insight on how it, mm-hmm. what goes into it. Yeah. Well, Tim, with all that out of the way, do you know what time it is? I think it's your favorite time of the week right here. It's time to segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, Tim, I'm going to change top of the hour up a bit this week because usually with deaths, that's where we start. But we're not going to start with a death this week. We're going to start with a couple of shout-outs. We're going to start off with Montreal Canadiens goalie Carey Price became the all-time winningest goalie in Montreal Canadiens history with 315, passing Jacques Plante's record of 314. I was honestly really surprised that the record wasn't higher. You know what's funny? I said the exact same thing. Right, because you look at the Montreal Canadiens, they've been around for a hundred plus years. You look at all the Hall of Famers, especially in goal. Like you know, you have your Patrick Wise, your Ken Rydens, your Jacques Plante, guys like that, and you're thinking, wow, that's hard to believe that that record's not higher. But I guess in the time that they played with the Montreal Canadiens, they weren't playing a full eighty-two season. They might be playing, I don't know, seventy-something games, if that. Mm-hmm. But it is yeah, kind of surprising, I- though. Yeah, well, some of those guys like were playing during the expansion era. Sorry, like after the original six era. So, yeah, I'm just yeah, it's really surprising. For sure, and I mean, even somebody like Ken Dryden, right? Because Dryden, he won like I don't know six Stanley Cups. I think in nine seasons he was there. But it's funny about Ken Dryden is that I tend to forget he only played eight, nine years with the Montreal Canadiens, and then he just yeah, retired. And I guess it wasn't like Plant played his whole career with the Habs either. Mm-hmm. He spent some time with the Leafs. He did. But he spent a pretty hefty, looks like 10 seasons, 11 seasons with Montreal. And he was, some of those seasons, he played 70 games. Yeah, because this is back in a time where there was no backup goalie, and the and they only had one goalie that played all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I'm surprised that 
Well, I guess he played five. Like he played five hundred games, won three hundred, won three hundred of them. Yep, still impressive, man. We also got to give a shout out to San Jose Sharks forward Joe Thornton, passing Stan Mikita for fourteenth on the all-time points list with one thousand four hundred and sixty-eight. Isn't it incredible that this guy hasn't won a Stanley Cup? It is, but you know what? And I, and I hate I don't want to shit on him, but it always seems like it's in the playoffs is where he doesn't really show up. Part of that is a knock on him, but also it's a part on the teams that he played for, right? Because look at the San Jose Sharks teams of the last 10 or so years. I mean, look at all the talent they've had on that team, and they still couldn't get it done. Well, the other thing is they've always run into brutal powerhouse teams. Like they ran, they kept running into Chicago, LA, and the one season where Vancouver was almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, I think uh, San Jose Sharks fans could make a very good argument that they kind of got screwed in 2011 with BX's goal off the, that was basically came off the netting. They could. They absolutely could. But you know what? And you're absolutely right. I mean, they did run into these powerhouse teams, like you're saying, LA, Chicago, Vancouver. But, you know, even of the last couple of years, right? I mean... I guess 2016 is sort of the anomaly because they did beat L.A. They did beat Nashville, and then they later went on to beat St. Louis. I think they went on to beat St. Louis in the conference finals. Yeah, and then lo- then lost to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Which is no name in, honestly. It's not. Actually, speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, we got to give a shout-out to Evgeny Malkin because he became the 88th player in NHL history to record 1,000 points. I thought he'd already done that. So did I. Actually, I guess because when you're on a team with Sidney Crosby, you would automatically assume that he already has that. But, you know, I guess he doesn't because that's why we're talking about it right now. Yeah. Well, this is a guy who's had multiple 100-point seasons too, which is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, same with this next guy, too. Washington Capitals forward Alexander Ovechkin became the 49th player in NHL history to record 1,200 points. Yeah, that that's honestly insane, though. Because how many, those are a bunch of those are goals, too, right? Like, almost half. Yep, and he's going to get another 50-goal season this year, too. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he catches Gretzky, honestly. True. I mean, that's a very tough record to catch, right? I mean, he is... What is he now? He, uh, 33. He's, oh, really? He's 33? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, but he's been plugging away at 50 goals a season for almost every year he's played. True. He's going to do... I wouldn't be surprised if he does it. Yeah. I mean, if he continues on this pace, right, that obviously he could catch that. But, I don't know. I mean, you know, he he's not prone to injury, but you know what? Eventually, father time does catch up to you. True, but he only needs five more 50-goal seasons to do it. Well, maybe, he's at 94. Well, maybe he can okay. catch it, Tim. Yeah. And, like, Yermir Yager's at third with 766. Yeah, and there's no way that he's coming back too, right? But you also got to factor yep. in that Yarmer Yager took three years off the NHL to play in the KHL. Yeah, Yager might have been able to do it too. Maybe. Well, Tim, the reason why that I brought up 
those four shout-outs we had to give because it's time of the episode where we got to talk about a death. And we, get, and we mentioned this last week when we talked about Ted Lindsay, and I says that we're going to talk about Harry Howell, and that's where we're going to start off top of the hour. Hockey Hall of Famer Harry Howell passed away at age 86. Howell spent 22 seasons in the NHL with the New York Rangers, Oakland slash California Golden Seals, and the LA Kings, recording 94 goals, 324 assists for 418 points, while also playing three seasons in the WHA, including the 74-75 season with San Diego, where he was both player and coach. Howell won the Norris Trophy in 1967, played in seven All-Star games, won a Stanley Cup with Edmonton in 1990 as a scout, and was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1979, and had his number three retired by the New York Rangers in 2009. Now, the reason why I mentioned him last week is because of the comment he made in 1967 when he won the Norse Trophy. He gave a shout-out to a defenseman that also went to the Hockey Hall of Fame with him in 1979. The comment goes like this. I'm glad I won it now because Bobby Orr is going to win it for now on. Yeah. And Bobby Orr went on to win eight straight after that. At least he had a really, he had a really good sense of humor from the sounds of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, Harry Howell, I mean, when I heard that he died, that was immediately the first thing I thought of, was that quote by Bobby Orr, because that's a very famous quote that a lot of people know about nowadays, especially in hockey. And I know, to me, it goes up there. There was a, there was a few quotes of Bobby Orr. There was one by Serge Javard. He said, there's players, stars, superstars, and then there's Bobby Orr, which is accurate. But, but Bobby Hall had a really good one. He said in the 1976 Canada Cup, Bobby Orr was the end of his career. His one knee was done for. He came to training camp, didn't practice a whole lot, played in those games, and he was better on one leg than the rest of us on two. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and he won MVP of the Canada Cup that year. Yeah, no, it's it's also interesting looking through uh, just kind of the stuff that Harry Howell did. It's if he get If he's in the Hall of Fame... Jerome McGinley is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he's a first year. No problem mm-hmm. for McGinley. But yeah, it's funny. I mean, and this has always been a criticism of the Hall of Fame, is that they their inductions are heavy on the original six players. And there's a number of players from the original six that you look at them and you're like, how did that person get into the Hall of Fame? Because it's yeah. usually, I- like, like Harry Hell, right? It's usually like a, a defensive defenseman who maybe... Played in a couple of All-Star games, maybe won a Stanley Cup, and that's really it. And then, of course, for years, there was always the argument about, well, why isn't Phil Housley in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Why isn't Adam Oates in the Hall of Fame? Why isn't Pavel Burry in? Why isn't Eric Lindros? Players that are now in the Hockey Hall of Fame, but that was always the argument for these players when you would see guys, no disrespect to Harry Howell, like he seemed to have a really solid career in the NHL, but players like that, when you really look at their career and you go, are you sure that this person's a Hockey Hall of Famer? Well, I guess the thing is, when there's six teams, it's easier. No knock to Harry Howell, but that's just the gist of it. So the guy ha- had, for given given the situation he played in, very, very fan- fantastic career worth me- memorializing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, meh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, somebody like Harry Howell getting into the Hall of Fame, that would be like if... 
God, who's a defensive defensive now, player nowadays we could probably throw in? Like a Mark Mathot or somebody. Like a Mark Mathot gone into the Hall of Fame. Or Dennis Seidenberg. Or Dennis Seidenberg. Or Ron Hainsey. You think Zidane Chara would legitimately get into the Hall of Fame? Oh, legit. Yeah, absolutely he'll go in. Because you look at his stats, you look at everything he's done in hockey, he'll get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to our next story. Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Morgan Riley is coming under serious criticism after he appeared to shout a homophobic slur at a linesman during the Lightning Leafs game on Monday night. In response, the NHL announced that it's officially investigating the alleged infraction at least GM Kyle Dubas put out a statement stating that homophobia is something the Leafs strongly condemn and is taking very seriously. Did they even figure out if it was even Riley who said it in the first place? From what I understand, I didn't see anything about that, but I know that there was a Leafs fan on Twitter, and he did this investigation into it, and he tried to come up with a uh, answer about whether or not he did. He says he didn't, and he sent out a tweet showing the evidence for it. But, you know... And we'll talk about, and then there's a couple stories here we'll talk about when we get to it, but unfortunately, homophobic slurs, stuff like this is still prevalent in hockey, and I understand that the NHL is taking big steps in trying to eliminate that, right, with the Hockey is for Everybody campaign, and just some of the initiatives they do for the LGBT community, so when you see stories like this, that shines a light negatively towards the NHL and their players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. God knows that hockey can get any more regressive in those sorts of regards. But yeah, it's interesting because those those on ice macs are shitty at the best of the time. So I really wonder if anything actually happened. I mean, you know what? I don't think that n- nothing happened because you know. It wouldn't have been brought up if something didn't happen, right? Yeah, and sure enough. But you know what? You have to look back in, like, the 70s and the 80s when hockey players were not mic'd. Like, how worse do you think those guys would have said if they were nowadays playing? Oh, for sure. Although I wonder how much of it is just them beaking each other. But, yeah, no, it's really hard to say. Because at the same time, I find that uh, folks are way too willing to go in on someone without getting the full story, especially on Twitter. That is true. And and I know that uh, not this story coming up, but the story after, somebody did jump to conclusions about what actually happened. And it's a, it's a shame, right? Because in social media, anybody can post an opinion and somebody can look at that and take it as facts. And that's why uh-huh. I think... Maybe even, uh, I would say, with hockey media, people tend to not sometimes take bloggers seriously because they look at some of the stuff they tweet and they think, well, this is just a hot take. This is not facts. I don't know. It's really hard because sometimes it's like, it's right there in front of you and people deny, deny, deny at the same time. So it's like, it's not easy. No. But I think the other thing is like, if a bunch of compatriots are doing the hot takes and you're fast on the trigger. Even if you're right, you're going to get labeled with hot takes too. It's a hard game. It is. Maybe we should all chill out a bit. 
Well, while we're doing that, Tim, let's go into our next story. Former San Jose Sharks forward turned Sharks broadcaster Jamie Baker did an article with The Athletic where he revealed he considered taking his own life. He revealed that he made this decision during a Sharks Blue Jackets game in Columbus when he booked a flight back home during the second intermission. However, once he arrived home, the thought of his two young children prevented him from going through with it. That's heavy, man. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what? And... I did get a chance to read the article for the story and he his wife did talk about that because he did suffer concussions during his career and she can tell mood swings and changes in his personality and everything. So they're thinking this is another instance of trauma to the head is causing this. Yeah. And, I don't know, I just can't get over the fact that the guy's, like, mid, like, he's kind of there, just about ready to go on the ice, is like, fuck it, I'm gonna kill myself, and gets the ticket to go home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, honestly, it's kind of impressive that you get the ideation, and you decide to act on it, and then you're able to step back from the edge. That's frankly impressive. Yeah, well, it was like that article in the Players' Tribune that Corey Hirsch wrote, right? Where, after he won the Stanley Cup, he considered driving his Corvette off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Although it's interesting because it's totally, like, what pulled each person off the edge is totally different, right? Mm-hmm. Like, with Mr. Baker here, it was thinking about his family. With, with uh, Mr. Hirsch, it was, if I fuck up, it's going to be worse. Like, it's such a different process, right? Yeah. But you know what? I do got to condemn, not condemn, I do got to commend Jamie Baker for coming out because, and we definitely see that nowadays that a lot of these ex-players who suffer depression or they suffer from suicidal thoughts, they feel comfortable about coming out and talking about it, right? And you saw that with Theo Fleury, you saw that with Corey Hirsch, you saw that like with Jamie Baker. And we've seen that with a number of players who either wrote articles with the Players' Tribune or The Athletic or some of these publications, and they tell their stories and what actually went behind the scenes. And it just makes uh, Robin Leonard coming out during his career and saying that even more. Like, It just shows how brave of a guy Robin is that he's willing to talk about that while he's still in the game. Mm-hmm. And I know that... Ray Emery, I know, if I'm not mistaken, I think he also talked about his demons off the ice as well, post-career. Mm-hmm. And I know that even Brian McGratton has talked about his problems on shows like Spit and Chicklets, and he talked about Ray Emery. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta commend these hockey players for coming out, for shining light on what, the problems that go on off the ice that nobody sees. Mm. Well, I think the other big thing is it's a, how do I want to say this? It allows, by these people coming out and talking about it, it allows, it draws attention to it. And it allows people to, it kind of destigmatizes the mental health side of things, right? Correct. Yeah, because for the longest time, mental health was seen as a sign of weakness. If you came out and talked about depression or anxiety or stuff that you were suffering inside. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, it's something that I think we can only get better for. Absolutely. 
San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane took to Instagram to announce that he and his wife had lost their daughter, Eva, after 26 weeks. Kane took a personal leave of absence from the Sharks on Monday, which led to fans to assume the worst about him. Now, the funny... It's not funny, but the thing is, when I also heard that he was taking a leave of absence, like, and, and I talked about that when we talked about the person on social media that made that tweet, assuming the worst, is that I thought it had something to do with the lawsuit that was going on with his ex-girlfriend that he forced into having three abortions. And when this came out, I was like, wow, you know, like, I really feel for Evander Kane and... The other thing that I thought of is that at least Evander Kane has somebody in that locker room that went through the exact same thing. Yeah, that's got to help. But at the same time, I don't think you can ever... Like, I don't think that's a pain that can ever go away. No, and and we saw that with Eric and Melinda, right? When they lost their child last year. And when I heard that Evander Kane lost his daughter, my immediate thought was... I bet you anything Eric and Melinda are going to come to their side to uh, console them about it. Uh-huh. Like, Evander Kane did write a very beautiful tribute to to the daughter on Twitter, and you, you can tell there was just nothing but love for that child, and I'm sure they made what little life that their daughter had a great one. For sure, and... And you know what, given all of the negative press that Evander Kane has gotten over the last couple of years off the ice, like I said, right, when you heard that he took this leave of absence, you immediately assumed the worst, given the the assault charges he has against him, everything that went on with the lawsuit that went against him against his ex-girlfriend. But when I heard this, my I was just like, wow, you know, like, this is not at all what I was expecting. Because I immediately assumed... Like a lot of people did. They assumed that something negative had happened again to him off the ice. But nothing like this. No, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Former NHL forward Christian Husalius was badly burned in a horrific accident in his home. Husalius was taking it easy in his apartment when his chimney-free fireplace extinguished and was hit directly by flames and heat as he was replenishing it with more fuel. Doctors maintain that he should make a full recovery and the skin on his face should be completely restored. I did see the photo and my first reaction was, holy fuck that guy is in bad shape. He almost looks like the Toxic Avengers or something, man. It was brutal. Oh, jeez. Here's hoping for a speedy recovery because that sounds that sounds absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird. Last week we were talking about Joe Juno's house being caught on fire and burning down. And now we're having a story again about a fire and an ex-hockey player. An ex-flame, even. Yeah. Because when it's funny, when I heard Christian Husalius, my first reaction was, wow, Christian Husalius, I haven't heard his name in a while. Yeah, no, same. Good player, though. He was a good player. And you know what, I like you said, right, I really hope that he makes a full recovery because, and I did see the photo, and it was like, wow, like, it could have been much worse than what had happened to him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he should make a full recovery is definitely promising. For sure. You know what's funny, Tim? In all this time that we have done the Third Line Plug Sensecast, we have never talked about New York Rangers owner James Dolan. Huh. Yeah. Not even to make a where's 
a Gooby Pliss joke? Nope. New York Rangers owner James Dolan is coming under fire after he was caught on video banning a fan over his over the fan's comment to Dolan to sell the team. Dolan singled him, singled him out uh, in the crowd and quickly told him that he would be banned from all future games at Madison Square Garden. Now, a quick disclosure about this story is that the team in question was not the New York Rangers. It was the New York Knicks, the basketball team. But the thing is, is that James Dolan is widely known to do this with fans and also the media that criticizes the Knicks. Because he just seems like one of these people that if you came, like even remotely criticized the Knicks, he would throw a temper tantrum about it. And we saw that a couple of years ago when he banned Charles Oakley because Oakley got pissed off at him and shoved him at a Knicks game. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't really hear much about Dolan, but if he's a known loose cracker, it's you're right. Right, we ain't. It's surprising we ain't talked about him. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why on this show we've never talked about him is because when it comes to stuff like this, he only does it to the Knicks fans. And I know that Sean Avery has come out and praised James Dolan as owner of the Rangers because he would say James Dolan, it was first class everything for the Rangers, whether it was hotels, planes, food, accommodations, everything, right? But then when you see stories like this with the New York Knicks, it's thinking, okay, why is he being this way with one team's fan base and not being like that with the other team's fan base? Honestly, who the fuck knows? But, let, yeah, if you don't like you don't like the fans of your team, or you don't treat your team well in general, why do you still have it? You don't have to keep the boat. Tim, where have I heard this? these kind of comments before? It's like we, it's like I'm getting deja vu or something. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you could be talking about that. I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm thinking that myself, Tim. Anyway, let's, yeah, talk, yeah. let's go on to our next story. NHL linesman Brad Kovacek was forced to leave the ice during the Leafs-Lightning game due to illness leaving the game with just three officials. Kovacek recently officiated his 1500th game and has been a full-time linesman since 1997. That's a long time. It is a long time. And I think the reason why I'm bringing this story up is because you never hear stories about this about linesmen or referees leaving the game due to illnesses. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I think most of the time, you know if the sick you have is going to get worse before you step on the ice, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the, the linesmen and refs, like, and I think this probably goes with NHL players too, like they don't often leave the ice due to illness because you kind of know it's like, Am I going to be able to skate for 16 minutes tonight? Yeah, probably, or no, this sickness is going to get worse before it gets better, right? Yeah, but the thing is, is that a lot of hockey players, if they're sick, they generally don't play. And that's why if you see in like pregame, you be like, say I'll use um, Bobby Ryan as an example. It'd be like, Bobby Ryan, Bobby Ryan is out due to illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I imagine linesmen are similar, but because they're not the focus, we don't hear about it. And in this case, it's probably just something came over them quick. For sure. Toronto Maple Leafs broadcaster, Tim, 
Joe Bowen took to Twitter to plead to the Leafs to name defenseman Morgan Riley captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Numerous players have been linked to become the captain, including John Tavares, some Austin fellow, I, I think, and my good buddy, Mitch Marner. Yeah. I don't know. I don't follow the Leafs enough to really make a we'll call one way or the other, but uh, Martin Riley's a good defenseman, and yeah, wouldn't be a bad choice. Although I feel like it'll probably end up being Matthews. You know what? And it's funny, if you were to, like, given Riley, Tavares, Matthews, and Marner's names were all brought up, I don't know about you, but I may be the minority. I feel that Matthews, out of the four of them, would be the least likely to become the captain because you see that John Tavares was a captain for the Islanders for a long time. Mitch Marner is a highly respected player on and off the ice. Morgan Riley is a really good player, and obviously we commented about uh, his story. And Matthews, while he's a very good player, I I don't know how great of a leader he really is. He's a superstar talent, don't get me wrong. I don't know if he's captain material, though. Eh, who knows until you really put them in the boots, though. True. Although, Mitch Marner will probably give him a run for his money. Mm-hmm. I would actually have no problem if Mitch Marner became captain of the Leafs. Well, I mean, if Brad Marchand gets his way, he won't be on the Leafs very much longer. Hey, speaking of Brad Marchand, Boston Bruins forward Brad Marchand took to Twitter to pump the tires of Toronto Maple Leafs forward Mitch Marner with a response to Chris Johnston's tweet regarding Lightning head coach John Cooper's comments regarding Marner being as smart of a player in this league as he's ever seen, stating, told ya. Yeah. Yeah, Marner's going to get paid. Oh, absolutely, man. But you know what, though? I really love the fact that it's Brad Marchand, of all people, that's pumping his tires. Yeah. Because one could well, see it as just Marchand getting in the Leafs' head, but you could also look at that as even Brad Marchand sees that this guy is worth all that money. I don't know. It's hard. You don't hear much about Brad Marchand outside of Brad Marchand doing Brad Marchand things, but maybe he's just looking out, thinks he's looking out for the guy in his own way. Mm-hmm. Although I will comment, though, I have started following Brad Marchand on Instagram. It's worth the follow. Is he a real prick job, or is it just funny shit? It's funny shit. Nice. Yeah. Sticking with Brad Marchant, though, Brad Marchant also told reporters that the reason he has toned his game down a lot this season is due to him being too tired to keep up with his on-ice antics. Marchant went on to say that refs are pretty tight on that stuff now, and that he doesn't want to put his team at a disadvantage. Does that mean he's not going to lick someone again? Guess not. Although I did see that he did his uh, Vince McMahon cocky millionaires walk, though. Nice. You know, even though people on Twitter be like, "No, that's a Connor McDavid wa- or Connor McGregor walk," and I'm thinking, I think Vince McMahon's been doing it longer than Connor has. Yeah, for like since the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. At least. Actually, sorry. Just on a unrelated note here. I was listening to the Brian Five or Six podcast there this week, and Brian was talking about the Mark Stone trade, and he came up with a really funny reason why Mark Stone went to Vegas instead of staying in Ottawa. He said it's due to global warming and, you know, because the polar ice caps are melting, that polar bears eventually are going to start roaming the streets of Ottawa, Canada. So Mark Stone knew that he had to get out of the city quick, and that's why he signed eight years in Vegas. 
plausible. I heard that and I start laughing. I'm just like, you know what? I am much more comfortable taking that than what actually happened. True, true. Yeah. Uh, we got a, ooh, we got the Sabres here. Mm-hmm. Buffalo Sabres captain Jack Eichel was suspended two games for his hit to the head on Colorado forward Carl Soderberg. This is Eichel's first NHL suspension. Now, the funny thing about this hit is that I watched it, and it it was worth the suspension, but I don't know. I don't know if I would have gave him two games, given this was his first suspension. I would have said maybe a game, definitely not a fine, but definitely a game. But I guess that this is a hit that's becoming more and more common, and the NHL is cracking down on. Yeah, and I think the big statement here is... We don't treat our stars differently. Nope. And I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Sticking with suspensions, though, the Philadelphia Flyers forward Jacob Voracek has been suspended two games for his illegal check on Islanders defenseman Johnny Boychuk. This is also Voracek's first NHL suspension. This was totally worth two games, if not more, because unlike Eichel, where it was an illegal hit, there's no question about that, Voracek, you could tell, was actually trying to hurt Boychuk because he stopped, turned, and then he hit him. Oh, so it's like, yeah, it was gross. Yeah. Like, it was obviously meditated. Exactly. This is not like our next guy where, you know, he was trying to go for a hit and he in the follow-through he just came around. Jacob Voracek went to the puck, he stopped, he looked b- behind him, and then he hit him. Yeah, no, that's shitty. Don't do that. Yeah. New York Rangers forward Chris Kreider has been fined $5,000 for his elbow on Canucks forward Elias Pettersson. Kreider was ejected from the game, and Pettersson later stated he doesn't believe he's a dirty player. Now, the Kreider hit, unlike Voracek, this was a deal of Kreider did try to hit Pettersson. There was no two ways, but he came in full speed. He missed, and when he turned around, that's when he caught him in the face with the elbow on the follow-through. Like, if it's an obvious accident, I don't have a problem with the fine. Because I think we should be punishing on intent, not on outcome. Yep. Like, if he didn't mean to hurt the guy, then don't throw the book at him. True. But you know what, though, is that this is obviously, like you're saying, this is the NHL showing that we don't, like, we don't treat the stars any different. So why are we going to treat guys who are really solid top six forwards? Yeah. Honestly, I think it's a. I think the fine is fine here. Yeah, I was perfectly fine with it. And Patterson is one of these guys this season that his name seems to become be coming up more and more often with guys taking runs at him. We saw it with Matherson when he body slammed him to the ice. We saw him like with Chris Kreider. And you know what? I know he's only a rookie, but he is going to one day get seriously hurt. And it's going to be a real shame when that happens. Yeah, well, he's people are taking runs at him because he's and he's the only guy that people take runs at in Vancouver because he's really well. I guess him and Bo Harbat are really the only guys there. Well, Besser's there too, but they don't really take runs at him. He's a big guy though. I didn't realize how big Brock Besser really is. True. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's when you're in your rookie season putting up like. I think he's like 15th in scoring or something like that. Yeah, I think he's got like 
60 points or something, if I'm not mistaken at the moment. I think he's tied with uh, Ivan Holenka, Pavel Burry, and Trevor Linden for the most points scored by rookie in one year. Yeah, that's fucking dirty. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, this past week, there was a lot of signings. Now, unfortunately, we're not going to talk about all the signings, but I did cherry-pick a few of the big ones. I'm going to start off with the Vancouver Canucks have signed Quinn Hughes to a three-year entry-level contract. Hughes, drafted seventh overall by the Vancouver Canucks in 2018, recorded five goals, 28 assists for 33 points in 32 games for the University of Michigan. It was going to happen. I'm just surprised it happened this soon. Mm-hmm. But I guess they figured that, given that they're out of the playoffs already, that they might as well bring him up for a couple of games and actually show him what the NHL is all about. Yeah. I am a little surprised they burned a year on his entry-level contract, though. Yeah, I, I am too. But you know what? I don't know. I can't really defend that because, and you're right, I don't know why they did it. I would have waited another year. I would have waited maybe in the summer, sign him, and then bring him up, play him for a couple of games, put him back in Utica if you have to develop him because he will be a really good defenseman for the Canucks. But, but not right, not right now. Time. That's the thing. He and I don't. I can't even remember the last time the Canucks had a defenseman that was really good right out of the gate. I think the last one I can think of was, oh Jesus. Uh, Alex Edler, honestly. Edler was good. I was going to say Matthias Oland about 20 years ago. But, yeah, Ed- Edler. But Edler had a really good team around him, though. Oland didn't. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's... Uh, well, the big thing about the like the West Coast Express and stuff is they brought a lot of their defensemen. Like, they got they acquired Sammy Salo from the Senators. They got Dan Hughes from Nashville. No, Hughes didn't play for the West Coast era. Yeah, you're right. Well, I guess it was... Ham Hughes was 2010, right? Yeah, uh, I think the West Coast Express era, I think... Let's see. Olin was there. Jovanovski was there. Salo was there. Merrick Malik was there. I can't remember... Well, Brent Sopel, but he wasn't really that good anyway. The Sedins. The Sedins, yeah. Really young Sedins. Burroughs. No, never played for the West Coast era. Played. No, Naz and Bertuzzi, Morrison, Linden, Sedins, Trent Klatt, Matt Cook. Bunch of decent players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Matt Cook. Yeah, Matt Cook. Ah, Jesus. That bastard has a Stanley Cup ring, too. He does. Toronto Maple Leafs have signed Mercyhurst College defenseman Joseph Duzak to a two-year future entry-level contract. Duzak recorded 16 goals, 31 assists for 47 points in 37 games in the NCAA. Now, I have no idea what a future entry-level contract is, Tim. And I'm going to quickly look it up because I don't even know for the life of me what that is. But I would imagine, let's see, future entry-level contract. It's got to be. I wonder if it's because they... Pulled him off of, like, he wasn't one of their original draft picks? Maybe. Okay, because I just typed in future entry-level contract. Every story is about 
that defense end, and also Matt Hollowell, which we talked about last week. Yeah. Anyways, as much as, you know what, as much as I give shit to smug fuck Dubas, God damn it! Why why does he have to make such good signings? Can he just make one bad signing that we can laugh at him for? No. <sighs> Come on, he was good in Sault Ste. Marie because he actually like the guy's very good at analyzing trades and getting value where you can find it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not shitting on him for the work he's done. I just well, shit on just... him because I think he's a fucking smug little fuck. I hate him. God, he's got such a punchable face, too, but, you know. But, uh, no, he's doing a great job. You know, it's a shame, though, because I found out this week he used to be a Senators fan. Oh. What's with all these numbers, guys, being Senators fans? Like, Travis Yost, Micah Blake McCurdy, Manny Elk, all Sense fans. It's fucking weird. I don't get it. I don't know. Hey, you know what? Maybe one day we can get them on the show and we can talk about it. Maybe. Or maybe numbers and depression go hand in hand. Well, maybe. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so, Tim, we're going we're gonna to close out top of the hour talking about the Ottawa Senators because they actually made a good signing this week. Yeah? Ottawa Senators have signed Princeton star Max Veronanu to a two-year entry-level contract. Veronanu, who grew up in Ottawa, recorded 13 goals, 24 assists for 37 points in 31 games for Princeton in the NCAA. That's really cool. It is. And we're going to talk about him when we get to, I believe it was the second game. Yes, it was the second game that he played in versus St. Louis. I thought he played very well in that game, but we'll talk about it then. This is a really decent signing for Ottawa because... It's funny, Ottawa in the last year or two has had a really good record with getting guys out of the NCAA, whether it's Brady Tuchak or Colin White, and now we got Max Veronanu. So maybe, I don't want to say maybe Pierre Dorian is finding a gold mine in college, but those three guys are very good with now with the team. Well, the other thing I find with uh, this signing is, I guess it means that Ottawa isn't snake poison for players. Mm-hmm. Like, players are actually willing to sign here, so maybe there's some help. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, local boy comes over, actually plays a really good game or two, and it actually sort of gives the fans some hope. But you know what? I mean, the thing is, and I know people in the past have complained about this, you know, local boys playing for the Sens, whether it's like a Cody Cece who who was really good in junior, but the Senators screwed him up so bad that now he's a glorified 6-7 defenseman. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. No, and I mean, even like a Jean-Gabriel Pajot, because he played for Gatineau in the Q, or I guess Gatineau's in the O. What am I talking about? I thought, for whatever reason, I thought Gatineau played in the in the. Quebec majors, but I guess they played in Ontario League because, you know, they played Ottawa in the outdoor game. Yeah. But, no, this is a great signing. Hopefully it continues to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully in the next little while, Tim, we can start talking more positive stories about the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, no kidding. 
Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour for this week, which means it's time to head on to the games. And we got three games to talk about. We've got the Sens versus the Flyers, Blues versus the Senators, and the Battle of Ontario, this time in Ottawa. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Sens versus the Flyers. This is a 3-2 Flyers victory. Sens goes to scored by Chris Tierney and Philip Shalopik. Flyers goes to scored by Oscar Lindbaum, Michael Raffle, and Scott Layton. Shots were 36-22 for the Flyers. Philly outplayed Ottawa for most of this game with an aggressive offensive attack and stingy defense, while Ottawa played a decent first. However, they couldn't get much going for the most of the game. So let's talk about Craig Anderson, 33 saves, a .917 save percentage. I thought he looked okay in this game, to be perfectly honest with you, Tim. To be quite frank, this game could have, this game could have been a lot uglier, uglier without Craig Anderson. Mm-hmm. The, shots, the shot selection that Ottawa was given Philadelphia was uh, pretty primo, let's say that. Right up tight. Oh, for sure. Now, I I do got to break a little kayfabe once again, guys. This is a game that I only watched the first two periods, and I didn't realize before we hit record tonight that I didn't watch the third. So my notes are kind of limited, but let's get back to this. Brady to Chuck, five shots. I thought he had a really strong game against Philadelphia. Honestly, yeah. Right place is right time. I feel like since uh, Guy Boucher's been out and Mark Crawford's in, Brady Kachuk has been doing more Brady Kachuk things. Yeah, and also one thing I do want to commend Mark Crawford for is that he is playing the young guns, and we definitely see that in our next game we're going to talk about, where I think in the first period, I believe I'm not mistaken, Brandstrom, I think he played almost two minutes of power play time. Like, Guy Boucher would have never let that happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is uh, Philip Shaplopik in this game got 14 minutes while Bodecker got stapled to the bench. Yeah, and that's the one thing I do got to – I really like about Mark Crawford is, like I said, he's willing to play the young guys and he's not giving them six, seven, eight minutes. Like he's giving them 11, 12, 13 minutes. Like they're giving him some decent minutes because maybe he feels that the only way that we're going to see what we got is if we play them. Mm-hmm. And, well, he was rewarded for playing Schlopik, too. Like, after Ottawa's disappearing act in the second, put some young guns out there, uh, they got a bit of momentum going, and uh, Schlopik just skates right into the zone, shoots, scores, and all of a sudden it's a game within reach. For sure. Another guy who I thought had a pretty decent game, Chris Tierney with one goal. Yeah, he'd been held off the score sheet for a large part of the season, but good to see him getting back on there. Yeah, and it's funny because Chris Tierney has been one of those guys, I know back at their deadline episode, we talked about 
that we felt Chris Tierney would be one of the guys that get traded. But it's games like this that I look at them and my first reaction is, you know, maybe we should try and keep them in keep him in the lineup. Because he is a st- solid player. He is, in like Brady Chuck, he's in the right places every now and then to get some good scoring opportunities. And I would like to see him on the roster next season. Yeah, there's definitely worse options they can pull. Yeah, they could always bring Tom Pyatt back. <sighs> Honestly, uh, someone that I do... Thomas Shabbat actually had a very good game as well. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, Tim. He hurt his foot. Yeah. Might as well shut him down, though. There ain't nothing worth playing for this season. That is true, Tim. So, Tim, do you want to go on to talk about the second game in the evening? And we actually get to talk about a win this time? Holy shit. Blues versus Senators. This is a 2 to nothing Senators victory. Senators go to score by... Christian Willannon and Chris Tierney. Shots were 35-21 for the Blues. St. Louis outplayed Ottawa throughout this game with their stingy defense and offensive attack, which seemed to intimidate Ottawa. Despite this, Ottawa did play with energy and strong goaltending, which led them to the W. And I know this is becoming a theme this season, but Anders Nilsson, 35 saves with the shutout. To me, his solid play was the key that Ottawa ended up getting the victory in this end because... And I'm going to have a bold prediction. There was no way we should have won this game. We got 20 fucking shots. You don't win with those sorts of numbers. No. It's only because of Anders Nilsson. That's the only reason we won this game. And I remember sitting here watching that going, you know, he's the only reason. And he's done this in the past. There's games that we've talked about here on the show. And I keep saying that he is the reason we end up winning some games. Yeah. Although... One player I really want to give a shout-out to is uh, Christian Willannon. He stepped up in a big way to fill up Cody CC's shoes. For sure, and I do got I do really appreciate the celebration, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take that, I Don Cherry. <laughs> More thunderclap. But it's a beautiful goal that Willannon scored, and yeah, it's, he stepped in a big way, played a great game, while the rest of the defense was nowhere to be found. For sure. He was in the... I didn't know that the graph went further than this zone. Or the I played a worse game than Michael Delzato's own. That's just a terrifying thought, Tim. I'm surprised that Michael Delzato came back to the NHL. Me too. I thought he was just going to toil as a cap dump. Yeah, but then again, we thought the same about Luke Shen, and he ended up playing a couple of games for Vancouver. True. Yeah. Actually, two guys I do want to talk about because this was their first games as an Ottawa center. Eric Brandstrom and Max Veronanu. They really impressed me in this game. Brandstrom especially because he had some really nice offensive rushes and Veronanu led the team in shots with five. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that it looked like Brandstrom was tied to an anchor that game, but... Brandstrom did pretty well to be not a Corsi nightmare when his most common partner was uh, Cody Ceci. Mm-hmm. Which is actually pretty impressive. It is. Now, I know but, uh, I said off the top that we got outplayed in this game. Now, despite being outplayed, there were a number of players that I thought played solid, including Christian Milan, like you said. Anthony Duclair, I thought, played really well. Rudolph Balsers. 
And Brady Tachuk. Now, I quickly want to talk about Tachuk because on Ottawa's second power play, Brady Tachuk had a chance to bury it, but instead of doing that, he passed it off. Now, I watched that, and my first thought was, Brady needs to be a little bit more selfish in that department and bury those chances because he had a wide-open net to do it. Well, I think that's something that just comes with age. True, and I guess because in junior hockey and in minor leagues, they are teaching kids that to make the nice pass and do whatever, but when you see a wide-open net like that, you have to bury it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way the goalie would have came across like that to stop that shot. And instead of him doing that, Brady passed it off. Yeah. No, I know, like, sure. and you're saying that it comes with age. And you know what? Brady Dechuck's only 19 years old, 20 years old. He'll get older and he'll get more knowledgeable about what to do. But that's the one thing that I noticed in this game is that he should have buried that chance because we would have scored on the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I think we got everything we can out of this Senators victory against a good team. So, do you want to go on to some senseless aggression? Yes. It's time to talk about the Battle of Ontario. Round three from the Canadian Tire Centre. Leafs versus Senators. This is a 6-2 to two Senators victory. Leafs goals are scored by Morgan Riley and John Tavares. Senators goals are scored by Magnus Piarvi with two. Cody Ceci, Brian Gibbons, Anthony Duclair, and Oscar Lindbergh. Shots for 44-37 for Ottawa. Ottawa outplayed Toronto in this game. Toronto started the game out of sorts as they tried to attack Ottawa's offensive zone and would give up a high number of shots in this game on defense. Ottawa overall played a real solid game with Anders Nilsson doing his job, making save after save to give Ottawa the W. Magnus PRV. Two goals on three shots. To me, he has earned the nickname the Bud Buster because in the last two oh. games we've played against him, he has, has four goals. It's it's absurd, but the thing is, it's just Toronto looked bad all game. And they got dummied by a fucking AHL team. This is a team that hasn't been able to score more than two goals since all their good players left. And they got fucking killed. Wolanin and CeCe shut down the Nylander line or the Tavares and Marner line should just go kill themselves because they got shut down by Borbietsky and Yaros. Yeah, it was one of those things. Now, unfortunately, I had to go to my buddy's birthday thing that night, so I didn't get a chance to watch the game live as it was happening. And my first reaction when I was watched following the score was, oh my God, oh my God, I cannot believe we fucking beat them. I even sat on my couch... For 20 minutes just looking at that score and just saying to myself, we needed this. I relished in that. I sat there and I looked at that screen for 20 minutes. And you know what, Tim? Even though the Leafs to Sens fan ratio of the game was 80 to 20, I'm happy to report that 20% of that crowd went home happy. That's right. Fuck you, Toronto. Fuck you, Leafs fans. But it's so funny because it's like, these fans are already pl- planning the fucking parade, and they're getting fucking dummied by the worst team this league has seen since the Buffalo Sabres. Yep. Maybe even worse than that team. Yeah. Now, there were... Six goals by PRV. It took them 90, over 90 seconds in an ex- a 
full five on three to fucking score? That's pathetic. Absolute dog shit. Like, you can't tell me that that's the best, it's all the best the NHL has to offer. Give me a fucking break. I know. Now, there were a number of players for the Senators that looked really good in this game. Rudolph Balsers, Anthony Duclair, Brian Gibbons, Max Verandu, and Christian Milanen. Those are the ones that really stood out for me. Well, Balsers on Payarvi's goal? Oh, that was nice. Oh, I know. I sat here as soon, when I was watching it the next day. And, uh, God. I almost felt like I should have maybe watched it twice, Tim. It was that good. Well, what's what's amazing about that goal is it's just a beautiful tic tac play, but three between the three between the Taniri Balsers and Payarvi. It's beautiful. Or just Gibbons, Gibbons just fighting for that goal. Mm-hmm. He starts, he ends the play. Fucking beautiful. Yeah, uh, Anders Nilsson, thirty five saves, a point nine four six save percentage. He did his job. He made saves. Ottawa's D kept Toronto mostly to the outside with their shots. Mm-hmm. Although he did have to make some like ten alarm bell saves. He did. Because this is the thing about the Toronto team is they're kind of lazy. They'll bust in with their speed, but they'll do it maybe five, ten times a game. Yeah, and that's funny because that's something that we have noticed throughout the season with the Leafs playing the Senators is that. They are lazy, but I almost get a sense that they play down to us when they do play the Senators. I don't think it's playing down. I think this is a team that doesn't want to play 60 minutes. They got absolutely fucking destroyed by the Bolts, and it wasn't even funny Mm -hmm. how bad it was. Now, with all of the shit talk, Tim, that we've talked about the Leafs, I, I will bring up a couple of positives for Toronto because of all the shit talk. Because we will continue to shit talk them in a second. But I will say that Toronto's power play was perfect. But four, or penalty kill was four for four. They were perfect. Some I mean, guy named Austin had nine shots. And Morgan Raleigh got his 20th of the season. That's mm-hmm. three things that actually went well for them out of everything in this game. But at the same time, they lost to an AHL team. They did. And you know what? Like, our play looked retarded because there was no one on it to do anything with it. Ottawa's penalty... Ottawa's 5-on-3 unit almost almost killed off a full 5-on-3. The only reason Tavares got his 5-on-3 goal is the puck hopped on Harper. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Part of me would... Or a big part of me would say that you could put all of this on Garrett Sparks with his 31 saves, .864 save percentage... Even though he was terrible in this game, I can't really criticize him because a couple of those goals he couldn't do much about. And you know what, Tim? I think it's safe to say that that goal by Brian Gibbons that went through the five hole, that was the spark that led Ottawa to light Garrett up. Thank you, no. Sense Call-Ups. I'll be hearing from your lawyers. Nice, but I don't blame Garrett Sparks at all. The Sens were living in front of his crease. You don't get above a .900 save percentage if your opposition gets 20 high-danger attempts. That's just not happening. You're going to get destroyed because your defense is fucking incompetent. 
or just didn't try. And that's what happened. And that's on the coach. The Leafs weren't there to play. The Leafs didn't give two shits. And the Leafs haven't given two shits in weeks. No, and I guess because they're cruising towards their their third straight playoff appearance, you know, why would they think that, oh, yeah, we need to put our foot right to the gas, right to the end? Because they know that they've made the playoffs. Well, here's the problem. Teams that slump into the playoffs lose. Yeah, but you know what? The same can be said about teams that, you know, they have all the success in the regular season and end up failing. Look at the 2006 Red Wings, for example. Look at the San Jose Sharks of a couple of those years where they won the President's Trophy. Still did well. They weren't one and done like most teams that slump in. True. But, and I don't want to criticize, I don't want to criticize, I don't want to jinx the Tampa Bay Lightning because they have a guy, I think, like Kucherov could get, what, 130, 120-something points this year? Yeah. They have one of the strongest teams in the NHL, and this is the year that they have to win the cup because, like, Stevie Y's gone, so there's a big one right there. They have a number of guys that contracts are going to be up this year, and they need to re-sign them. So you have to win now. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the last time we saw a team this good was the two thousand, frankly, the two thousand and four Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. I don't, and Tampa Bay has done like these Tampa Bay teams have gone deep into the playoffs. They just run into some really good teams, usually really good Pittsburgh or really good Washington. Yeah, or they run into the Boston Bruins in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. I think this Tampa, I think this Tampa team, they're mean. They play hard. I would be very surprised if they don't make it to the finals. You know Again. what? I would be absolutely okay if they won the Stanley Cup this year, Tim. Honestly, every so often, a sport just needs to be picked up by the laurels and shaken down. And that's what this Tampa Bay team is doing. Not this Toronto team. No. No, this Toronto team, they'll be lucky to get out of the first round. And I'm going to predict right now, if they play Boston and they lose, oh, it's going to be so good. I have a plan. If they lose again to the Boston Bruins in seven games... I have a yep. plan of what I'm going to be doing that night. Is it- I am going to call one of Toronto's biggest sports bars and ask the person who answers the phone if Owen is there. If they say Owen who, I'll say Owen 3, Leafs suck. Nice. Yeah, and I'll record, I'll record it too. It'll be great. Yeah, but uh, honestly though, if I'm, if I'm Leafs fans, I'd be... And to be fair, they are. What I'm more surprised, you could argue that like they're missing Jake Gardner and that hurts, mm-hmm. but this is a coaching. I think at this point it's a coaching thing. I'm starting to wonder if Babcock's actually a good coach. Yeah, I mean, that's an argument that could be made, right? Because, you know, even though he won the cup in 2008 with the Red Wings... He didn't do anything with the Red Wings other than the 09 Cup Final appearance. Like, the Red Wings just faltered with him at the helm. Yeah, and that 07-08 team was fucking stacked. 
Yeah. But you know what? The 0809 team wasn't too bad either. Yeah. Well, I guess they had Cursed Mary and Hosa. So that didn't help. That is true. Actually, um, thank you you mentioned Mary and Hosa because I want to make one final comment here. And that was William Nylander in this game. I think it was in the third period. In the slot, he took a big slap shot. He whiffed on it. The puck went to out of the zone to the Ottawa Senators. They ended up scoring. And you know what I immediately thought of when I saw that? And I think it was the uh-huh. 09 finals. Detroit and Pittsburgh. Marion Hosa did that exact same thing in the slot. He took a swing at the puck. He missed. Next thing you know, the puck was out of the zone to Evgeny Malkin at center. And he drilled it five hole. Oh, man. I forgot about that. And that brings back memories of uh, fucking Sergei Gonchar's uh, absolute pile on it. Yep. Yeah, no, I felt so bad for Nylander on his goal because, like, on that, because it's like, what are you going to do about that? Oh, uh, I guess, what do you think about Graves laying into Nylander? Did you get a chance to see that? I didn't, but you know what? This, the last couple of years, I've really, I don't know if I'm just not caring enough or, but I've made a sort of an effort to not watch Coach's Corner anymore just because. Don Cherry's opinions, and while I do think that some of his opinions are valid, a lot of them, he's going so off the beaten path, and I'm just looking at him like, what the fuck are you talking about, Grapes? I feel a lot of them are just mean. Like, old man yelling at cloud type of mean. I know. Like, it's neat. But you know what? Like, at least the Carolina Hurricanes had a sense of humor about themselves, and they came up with a bunch of jerks t-shirts. Yeah, I've got a feeling Nylander's going to give absolutely zero shits. True. Honestly, at this point, it's time for Cherry to retire. Yeah, but he won't, right? And that's the problem, is that, you know, he doesn't know when to quit. He still thinks he's having fun. He still thinks his opinions are valid. And I'm sorry, sorry, Grapes, but they're not. Yeah, and he still thinks he can talk about hockey like an expert, even though the game's changed since he was last a coach. Experts have a shelf life, and Don Cherry's is long past mint. Yeah, I mean, why do you think guys like Glenn Healy are not in the, not doing sports nowadays? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I I'm just quickly looking up the NHL Eastern Conference right now. The Carolina Hurricanes—they're seventh in the East. Big part of me really wants to see them make the playoffs, just so they can do their surge celebration after every win. Honestly, yeah. I would would support it. I would totally support that. Yeah, well, I think they're probably going to do it. Like, right now, it's on on them to falter, and the only team close is Montreal. And Montreal's on a skip. Yeah, well, no, that's not true. Actually, uh, Columbus is one point behind them right now at 84 points. Yeah, but Columbus is already in the wild card. True. So the only thing you have to worry about is Montreal. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say Philly, but, you know, Philly's like three points behind Montreal for that. So. Yeah, no, Philly's out of it. Anyway. The sad one is that Arizona is so close, but their schedule is fucking, like, their schedule coming up is rough. So I want the Coyotes to make it. You know what? Got- I would totally be okay if the Coyotes and the Hurricanes made the playoffs. 
Yeah. We need some new blood in the playoffs. Just let's be honest. Although I think Arizona's fate is in their own hands because they play Colorado and they play Arizona, the two teams that are chasing them. Yeah. But they're losing to the Lightning tonight, but they're only down one. So if they can salvage a point from that game, that's phenomenal. But they play the Golden Knights, they play Winnipeg, and that's the season. Well, I think uh, Arizona, sorry, I mean, Minnesota has a much easier schedule, and I'm not sure Colorado is actually in there. Is that, I think Colorado's out of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have much faith in Colorado at the moment, making the playoffs, so I don't know. I'm still maintaining. I would love to see Arizona make it. I mean, Vegas, we already know they're going to make it, so. Yeah, no, I think the playoffs look to be fun. Mm-hmm. This might actually be a really good playoffs. Let's have a look here. If the season ended right now, uh, Carolina would make it. Columbus would make it. Let's go to... Uh, where's the Western? What's in Arizona? I'm just trying to oh, look. Oh, here we are. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, I, part of me still can't believe Calgary's first in the West right now. Uh, Dallas and Vegas, or Dallas and Arizona would make the playoffs. Like, the Pacific is going to be disgusting. Because it's, Calgary plays the wild card out of, like, Calgary gets the wild card, but San Jose versus Vegas in round one? Oh, that's going to be dirty. I know. Although part of me does wish that they could just go back to the old format of, the first team plays the 8th, the second plays the 7th, because you would see a Calgary-Arizona first round, San Jose would play Dallas, Winnipeg-St. Louis, and Nashville in Vegas. On the other hand, if Arizona overtakes Dallas, you get Winnipeg-Arizona. Ooh, that would be a good playoff series. Yeah. It would be Jets versus Jets. I'd watch the shit out of that. And you can't tell me you wouldn't either. Oh, I would totally watch that. It would be great. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, uh, I guess I don't have any more comments or notes to make if you want to head off into the close for another evening. Yep, let's ride off into that sunset. Let's do it. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Sensecast. And because our bod Dave made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Pluggers or Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger, and I'm at Great White Gipster, G R 8 W A T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about a potential Winnipeg versus Arizona first round, shoot us an email, Third Line Plug Sensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so let's talk about the games for next week because. The Ottawa Senators are on their West Coast road trip, and they're going to be in Vancouver on Wednesday to play the Canucks. They're going to be in the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, on Thursday to play the Flames. And they're going to play the Edmonton Oilers in the city of draft lottery champions on Saturday afternoon. Huh. No, I won't go see I won't go see the Senators. Not to that. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm not going to go see the the Sens play the Canucks either. It'd just be sad. I got I got too much stuff to do around here. We're actually uh, we're redoing our fence right now in the backyard because a couple of weeks back when we had that really bad windstorm, it knocked down half of our fence. So we're redoing it right now. Gotcha. Plus, 
you know, that and I don't, I'm broke right now, so I don't really have the money to do it. Yeah, I got fucked by Air Canada, so... Again? Yeah. Well, not again, it's the same. Oh, the same, okay, right, they stopped and repaid you for that. No, I lost the chargeback. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys. Woo!